We are in our fourth week of our series, anxious about everything or nothing, right? You get to kind of decide with this one. Um, We've talked about how we often feel like we're anxious about everything, but the goal is to begin to move being to being anxious about nothing. And for you, maybe it's just being anxious about less in your life. Um, I don't know if you've been lost before. Um, I'm thankful for a GPS on my phone. Um, I I don't know often what I would do without it. I I often don't know my way around places I should know because I always put in the address to where I'm going. And then I let Siri, the lady, the British lady on Siri, uh, give me directions on where I need to go. The problem is uh, if your phone is dead, right, Or the bigger issue that I've run into at times, and I didn't realize it, is when your location services are are turned off, right? Because if she doesn't know where you are, you definitely won't know where you are. But if she doesn't know where you are, she can't get you to where you're trying to go. In this series, I've been thinking about this as we talk about anxiety and we talk about worry. I really feel like it's one of those, you kind of have to know where you're at in this. You have to kind of self-reflect and begin to see where you kind of are on the scale, right? And I've shared my story. I've shared over the last six years. I've realized I've, I've had some panic attacks. I didn't realize it in the moment, but I've, I've had some panic attacks over the last couple years. And, and I've dealt with my own anxiety and even periods of depression at times. And, and, and I've learned to work through that. And so as we talk about this, uh, I hope a couple things have happened. One, you have a a holistic approach to this. And this is what I mean by that. So often in the church, as we've talked about these topics, it seems to go back to the idea, well, if you just had more faith, right? If you just prayed more, if you just fill in the blank, then you wouldn't be anxious or you wouldn't worry. And, and I think there's some truth to that. There's a sense of peace that comes over us we looked at that last week, and we looked at it the week before in prayer, but, but we also understand that, that God has given us one another, right? And, and people have been equipped to be counselors and therapists and psychiatrists and doctors to prescribe medicine, and those things aren't bad. And so as we've talked about this, I, I hope you have begun to see that there's a lot of things that can help us when we're dealing with anxiety and worry and even depression, that it's not just one thing, but hopefully you have seen that there are some things as it comes to a relationship with God, wherever you're at in that spectrum, that, that could also help. Uh, we looked at the first week, we looked at this scripture in Philippians 4, and we're looking at this idea, that this letter that's written by a guy named Paul. Paul hated the church, he hated Christians, he was persecuting Christians, and then he has a reorientation of his mind about what is true. He has an encounter with God, and he begins to follow Jesus, and he begins to help other people follow Jesus, and he would write these letters to the churches, and he would help them. And in this one, he's telling a group of people to be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. But before he says that, what we looked at week one is he says this, the Lord is near. The Lord is close to you. You may not really even believe that or understand that or can wrap your hands around that or your mind around that, but it's true. I believe it's true that God is near to you. So when you're dealing with the worst of the worst, 
when you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, I believe that the Lord is near. And hopefully that begins to bring some comfort. And then we begin to see, okay, if the Lord is near when I am feeling anxious, because Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but then he says something to do when you are anxious. So it's almost as if Paul says, look, don't be anxious, but I know there's going to be times when you're anxious. And so when you are, turn those anxious thoughts into prayerful thoughts. Let your prayers be shaped by your worries. And we looked at that the second week. And then last week was a difficult one. We talked about that. We, we talked about the topic of peace and how do you actually have peace. And we looked at the two different things. We said you can have certainty that you can have peace with God. That you don't have to question forgiveness and you don't have to question uh, grace and the peace that he can give you. You can hold tightly to that when you have believed and accepted, right? But, but then we said the peace of God often feels like holding on to water. Like you feel like you grab it a little bit and then it, seeps through and then something else comes your way and you think, man, I'm not experiencing peace again. And we, we talked about where do you dwell? Where do you live? Uh, Paul says that you should dwell on the things that are good and true and right and praiseworthy. He says dwell there, to take up residence there. And so I asked you last week, I talked about the enemy of God wanting you to be anxious and wanting you to be worried and not experience peace. And so I talked about what is the enemy saying to you? And are you dwelling there? And then how do you move from that place into a place where you dwell on the good things of God? And that can be difficult. Well, this week, if we look at anxiety, maybe on this end of the spectrum, and, and maybe some of you say, look, I don't I don't know if I've really ever been anxious. I've been nervous. I've been worried. But, but maybe anxiety is not where you have found yourself. Uh, we're we're going to talk more about kind of the basics. And we're going to talk about worry. Uh, and I would guess all of us at some point have worried about something. And so ho- hopefully this morning this will be applicable to you. Uh, do you ever find yourself doing things that don't work, yet you still do them? Right? You, you know it's not going to work. But you do it. So for me, I often talk about wanting to be healthy, but I still eat fast food, right? Late at night, right? That I know for a fact that will not work. That will not get me where I want to go. That will not help me be healthy. And here's what's true. It tastes so good at first, usually. It tastes so good at first. But then I often regret it, and I feel sick, and I'm like, why did I do that, right? And I know it doesn't work. Or arguing on Facebook Nobody? All right. Uh, Arguing on Facebook doesn't work, right? But still, people do it, right? We do things that we know will not work or accomplish what we want it to accomplish. And here's what I believe to be true. Worry doesn't work. It doesn't work. It, It doesn't accomplish what you really want it to accomplish. It doesn't work. But we still do it. We we still worry. And so I'm going to encourage you to do a couple of things today. Uh, The first thing is I'm going to encourage you to do what is wise. To do what's wise. That could be to seek help, uh, to to make the next best decision, uh, to do the things that you can do and should do, or maybe you let go. So two, you give your energy to only what you can control. Right? We, We begin to give our energy not to the worried thoughts, but we just give our energy to the things that we control. 
Uh, if you can't control it, the third thing I'm going to encourage you to do is to begin to let go of those things that you can't control. Jesus talks about this, and it's going to be our reading for today. It's in Matthew 6. If you don't own a Bible, there's a red Bible around you somewhere. That's our gift to you. Please take that. Uh, all of you are holding a smartphone. There's a Bible on that. You can pull that up. Uh, it's Matthew 6. And these are the words of Jesus. Uh, we give weight to what Paul says. It's in the Bible, and we, we appreciate what Paul says, and Paul was a follower of Jesus, but these are the words of Jesus, we believe. This is what Jesus has to say about the topic of worry. Matthew 6, verse 25. The page number on that will be for that red Bible. It says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is life, not life, more important than food? And the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Just before this, uh, Jesus spends time talking about treasure in heaven. He actually says that where your treasure is, that's where your heart will go. Whatever you see as most important your treasure, your heart will turn to those things. And so then he says, he talks about money, and he talks about that your heart, you, cannot serve two gods. You can't serve the God of money, and you can't serve God. And then he goes from there into this statement that I just read about not worrying about what he says is kind of meaningless things. Now, I know he talks about food and clothes, but I think Jesus probably could have listed a whole list of things that to us concern us and we care deeply about, but Jesus would say, why, why are you worried about those things? Why, why do you care so much about that? And so I think a lot of the time, our worry can begin to change if our priorities begin to change. Like, when we begin to see what is most important, maybe our worry begins to look different. Or if our perspective can change, our worries begin to change. See, here's what I know to be true, because I've seen it in my own life. It's nearly impossible, it's nearly impossible to be happy and content when we worry all the time. N nearly impossible to experience joy and worry at the same time. And, and here's, here's what I believe to be true about God, that, that God wants you to be filled with joy. 
not happiness that's fleeting, but, but to have a joy-filled life. And I think that's why Jesus is saying, hey, don't worry. Don't worry about so many of the things that you worry about. Now, I'm not talking concern or care, right? I think we, we kind of use these words all inter- interchangeable, right? Um, if you're nervous about a meeting, you, you may be feeling anxious, but maybe it is just a little bit of nerves because you're going into an important meeting, and that's normal and okay, right? And so I think we have to begin to see that these words all mean different things. Worry begins to have an impact on us when we will not let go of control of the things that we can't control, right? And so the only way we begin to do that is, again, to change our priorities and our perspective. So here, we're going we're gonna to break this down and we're going to look at, at some points that Jesus makes and, and hopefully will begin to help us understand uh, why we shouldn't worry. The first one, verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? The first thing, if you want to take notes or jot these downs, the, the, uh, jot them down. The first thing is life is too important to spend it worrying. Life is too important to spend so much time worrying. It's more important than your stuff. It's more important, as he describes, than food and clothing or the things that you elevate to most important. And he's talking about the physical things. It's funny to me, but um, on, on Saturday nights, I try and figure out what I'm going to wear on Sunday mornings. It's really dumb, I know. Um, and, and here's often what I run through my head. I'm always like, what did I wear last week? Right? What, what did I, like I'm standing in front of you guys. I'm like, Kyle wore that two weeks ago. And here's what's interesting. I don't, I don't think that you guys really care. Maybe you do. But I will go on to YouTube where we've posted our sermons to see what I have worn. And I'll just tell you, my wife bought me this shirt this week. And it was so freeing because I was like, I've never worn it. Like I don't have to worry or stress or about, about what I'm, it's dumb, right? It doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. And, and it's almost as Jesus is like, why are you worried about such meaningless things? Right? Well, life is much more important than those things. Life is much more important. I love food. I love good food. But life is more important than that. Life is more important than the stuff that we have and the, the perception that people have of us. And trying to please people. Right? And and I say that and and I also, on the other hand, want to acknowledge that there could be some of you who do worry about food because of what's next. And and I would say to you, that's not what I'm talking about. That, That if things are difficult and things are tight, and you have trouble figuring out what you're going to do this month, then there is this concern that you have. And I don't take that lightly. And here's what I believe. This is why I think Jesus would say that you shouldn't worry about that. It's because I think that Jesus believes that if you're in a group of people and they know you are without, they will take care of you. And so I think, I think, I just believe that Jesus would say to you, don't worry. 
And on the other hand, church, many of you who are followers of Jesus, and even if you're not, we have care and concern for people who are without or who have need. And maybe the way they wouldn't worry is by us showing care or concern. And so on one hand, I don't take it lightly. But on the other hand, I believe that if you are connected to a group of people who say they follow Jesus, you should not worry about what is next. And I encourage you that if you're at that place, would you talk to someone? Would you talk to me? There's nothing wrong with it. We are a group of people, a family, who takes care of one another. And so you should not have those worries. And so as we think about priorities, is what I'm worried about really significant? Is it really significant to my relationship with God or with others or my well-being? Is it really significant, the things you're worried about? And if so, what can you do about it? What can you do about those worries? We'll get to that more in a moment. Two, verse 26. It says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So the first one is life is too important to spend worrying. And number two, you are too important. Jesus says, you see the birds not have a care or concern. I mean, God has created them, but God cares much more about you than the birds of the air. Listen to this. Um, This is a psalm. This is a prayer of someone. It says Psalm 139, 13 through 15. The writer of this psalm says this. For you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. The author has come to this point where he says, God, I know what you think about me. And your thoughts for me are good. Your care for me is good. Your concern for me is good. Your thoughts about me outnumber the grains of sand. I could never count them. The author says, I know my life is important. And so the battle we have often as we think about worry and even anxiety and depression is often this battle about the thoughts about ourselves and the thoughts that God has about us. And often they don't always align. Like we might say, I don't know if I'm worth it. God, I don't know if your grace is for me. I've done too many bad things. I don't know if it's for me. Those are the thoughts that we would have. And then God, on the other hand, would say, you're worth it. You're worth it. And so we have to begin to align our thoughts together. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but there was this religious leader who comes to Jesus and says, What are the most important commandments? There's a lot of rules and there's a lot of things we're supposed to do. What's the most important thing that we're supposed to do? And Jesus gives two things. He says all of it can be summed up with two things. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and your strength. And then he says the second is like it. He says to love your neighbor 
But then it says, as yourself. Right? That's included in that commandment. Often we, we, we just talk about, and we even say it, love God and love people. But Jesus is saying, you have to love yourself too. You have to understand that you are deeply loved by God. So often when we worry, it's because our thoughts about ourselves and our situation are not aligned with God's thoughts about us. And that is where we have the rub, and that's where we struggle. So you concern yourself with many things. And I believe Jesus is saying that he'll take care of you. He, he knows that you're valuable and that he will provide for you. The third thing, and the, the title of this topic, is just worry simply doesn't work. It doesn't work. Verse 27, Jesus says, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Eugene Peterson, who was a theologian and a writer and a teacher, he takes the scriptures and he rewrote them. He, he paraphrases them. And this is what he says. He says, has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? Right? I tried as a kid, I promise. Uh, I had high hopes of being taller than I am. Right? But I couldn't f- make myself grow tall. That is, uh, doesn't even make sense that we would try that. And, and, and Jesus is saying, can you worry more time? Can you worry more time? Can you worry an hour more to your life or a day? Right? I know some of you are dealing with difficult things, and you should be concerned, and you should have care. But, but worry, it doesn't work. Like I've never had someone come to me and say, you know what fixed my addiction? Worry. I just worried about it a whole lot, and my addiction went away. Or my, my marriage has been difficult and we're not communicating and it, we seem like roommates and it just doesn't go well. You know what fixed it? I worried about it. I worried and now we have a healthy marriage. Or my kid who has a rebelled, I just worried about them. And my worry, they no longer are rebelling. Or my finances, I just worried about it. And because I worried, now they're not in a difficult spot. It did, I just have never heard that. I've never heard someone say that worry is what got them out of it. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. And, and here's what I think happens. Worry gives this false sense of control. It gives a false sense of control. When we don't know what to do, we worry. And it feels like because we're worrying or doing something, we care and are concerned. It gives the false illusion of control. And it feels maybe good in the moment because you're thinking about it. You're like, all right, this is, this is the worry that I have, but it doesn't last long. Jesus says, don't worry. It just doesn't work. It's not going to fix anything. It's not going to help anything. And here's one of the most freeing things I think you can do. And this is really hard. And I don't say this lightly. This is what I have learned and really am learning is that we recognize and admit that we're powerless over some things. We're just powerless when it comes to some things. The things that happen to us or around us. And so when you begin to worry, you simply begin to say and you learn to say, okay, God, I know I'm worrying, but I'm beginning to recognize it's out of my control. There's nothing I can do about it. 
And if you're here today and you say you're a follower of Jesus, this is part of following Jesus. This is part of being a Christian is giving up control of surrendering your life completely to God. There's these three guys in the Old Testament. Uh, Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They find themselves in a place where they're being forced to worship, uh, to worship idols, and, and there's this threat from King Nebuchadnezzar who says anyone who doesn't is going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego hear about this, and they're like, oh, well, um, we're, we're not going to do it. And so King Nebuchadnezzar comes to them and just says, you know, basically just do it. And this is, this is what they say, that, that God will rescue them, but then they make this statement. But even if he doesn't, like that's a crazy kind of faith. That's a crazy kind of faith that says, I know that life on this earth is not what it's all about. That the eternal is what is most important. And so I'm never going to give my heart to something else is what they're saying. I'm never going to worship someone else because even if God does not rescue me from the fiery furnace, I'll never worship something else. They weren't going to worry. I'm sure they were stressed. I'm sure they had some concern and care. But for these guys, they just thought, you know what? God's going to get me out of this. Either now or when it's over. And so I don't always have that faith. I'm learning and I'm trying, but part of that is just recognizing that there's things out of my control. There's nothing I can do about it. The fourth thing, God is concerned and cares about you. Verse 28. Verse 28 says, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He cares and is concerned about the things that are going on in your life. How does the grass grow? No idea. Something has worked. God has something planned and is put in motion, and it dies, and then it will come back, and it will not be because of any of us. Like, I just had to plant some grass seed. I don't know if you planted grass seed. I threw grass seed out in this spot where we had a pool, right? I, I, I put it out. I raked it up. I did everything I was supposed to, right? I watered it, it felt like, constantly. Um, but, but then it just grew in a few places, right? Why? I have no idea. Why in some places did it grow and some places it didn't? I don't know. I don't know. But as much as I think God is working and in control of how things grow and how things work, I believe he has much more concern and care about you and your life. And so I think some of our worry comes because we wonder, do you care, God? Right? Do you care about what we're going through? And if we feel like he doesn't, we become worried and we grab control once again. And so I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why as we give up control and we pray and we ask God to intervene, sometimes it just doesn't work as we want it to. We ask God to do things and it may feel like he doesn't care and he's not concerned, but I I believe he is. I, I believe he cares deeply for you. I actually believe that he grieves and weeps with us. Even in those moments of pain and despair and loss and grief, when you feel like you're alone, can I just tell you that I don't think you are? 
that I think he is near to the broken hearted. The fifth thing, his kingdom matters more. Verse 33. Verse 33. Jesus says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. That the kingdom, the rule and reign of God is what is most important. And this is where I think Jesus ties back to what he was saying before this. When he talks about where your treasure is, there's where your heart will be also. That's where you'll give your time and your energy and your care and your concern. And that's actually where your worry will follow also. The things that are most important to you is where your care and concern will go and often your worry. See, there is a battle for your heart and for your mind. There's a battle for your desire and your wants. And Jesus, I think, is saying part of the solution to our worry is to seek the kingdom of God before we seek anything else. And so I think that when our desires begin to change and they become more in line with God, it is easier, it doesn't mean we don't still have times of worry, but it is easier to move from moments of worry to giving up control. It's easier when we seek the kingdom of God first. And so we have this this battle between God's kingdom and our kingdom. And so next time you're beginning to worry, ask, is this about my kingdom? Is, Is this about what I'm trying to establish? Is this about me? And if it is, you begin to seek God and pray and ask that he would help you. And then the the last line, verse 34, Jesus says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus is like, look, there's going to be a lot of stuff to worry about in the future. A lot of stuff in the future that you have no control over. A, A lot of stuff that you're powerless to do anything about it. Just, just focus on today. Just focus on now. And I think what Jesus is saying, this is going to lead us into a real quick, uh, what we can do next. I think he's really just saying, well, what can you control? What can you control? So here we go, real quickly. These are uh, four things I'm going to encourage you to do. One, you change perspective. You change perspective. Uh, the Eckerts in Milstadt, they have a huge corn maze I don't know if you've ever done a corn maze. It's very easy to get lost in a corn maze. Uh, I like what they went with this year. Hopefully you'll be able to kind of see it. Go ahead and put that picture up. Can you see what it is? Yeah. Stanley Cup champions, right, is the, the corn maze in Millstat. But it is very easy to get lost in a corn maze. But here's what would be interesting. It's easy to see where someone is at from above, right? It's in the midst of difficulties that it's often hard to see your way out, right? We, we often have blinders on, and all we can see and all we can focus on is what in front of us, and it is difficult for us to see the big picture. So if somehow you can take a step back, you can take a step back and you begin to just ask some of those questions. Is this about me? Is this anything that I can control? Is this something I should have some care and concern for? And you begin to change your perspective. And then you tell someone your worries. Tell tell someone your worries. This is a part of changing your perspective. And then you often, it's helpful for, for my wife and I both to just ask the question, is that true? Like, this is what I'm worried about. 
I'm worried that this might happen. Is that true? Is that something I should be worried about? And often we talk each other down and we're able to say, you know what, I understand, but that's really not something that you should be worried about. But we have to change our perspective. Number one. Number two, work hard. I don't think that this eliminates the idea that we don't work hard for things. So I told you earlier that that worry will not solve the problems in your marriage, but there are some things that can help. There are some things that you can do that can help your marriage. We're going to do a study in a couple of weeks um, called Love Talks. We're going to look at communication and what that looks like. Uh, You can attend that. You, You can seek counseling. Uh, You could learn to communicate better. You could love well and serve one another and forgive one another. Those are things that are in your control. Those are the things that you can work hard at. Or money. If money is a stressor, you can begin to learn to budget and to get out of debt. And maybe it's a job change or quit using credit cards for things that you don't need, right? Those are things that are in your control. What is it that you can control and you work hard at those things see really only works i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you this worry only works if it moves quickly into a place where you have a healthy strategy to deal with those worries the longer you dwell in the worries the longer and harder it will be to get out when you have a care or concern you move quickly to the well what can i control what can i do and how can i work hard to deal with it the third thing and this goes along a little bit last week is you begin to practice accepting uncertainty. And that's hard. We talked last week, we move in this pendulum between worry and panic, right? And in between is uncertainty. So some of us would rather worry or even panic because it feels like we're doing something. But it's the in-between that is the uncertainty. And I actually believe that if we learn to do this, if we can live in the uncertainty, it actually is freeing. It's freeing. Because what we do is we admit we're powerless. I'm uncertain of what tomorrow is going to bring. I'm uncertain if I'm going to get sick in a year. It's not going to help me to worry about it now. It's living in those periods of certainty that is hard, but if you can do it, you'll find some freedom. So the certainty we have is that God is with us and loves us and cares for us, that the certainty that life is more important than our worries, the certainty that you are more important than your worries, and the certainty that worry isn't going to work. Those things are certain. A lot in life is uncertain, and we have to learn to live there. And then the last thing, the last thing, is you begin to externalize the worry. I encouraged you last week, would you just begin to speak to people what's in your mind as it comes to this topic as you think about worry and anxiety and depression and everything that goes along with that any feelings you have towards hurting yourself or someone else when that is internalized that is a dangerous place to be would you just begin to speak what you're thinking just tell someone it, it doesn't have to stay in your head just speak it Have some courage today and speak it. Begin to externalize that. That could be with me. That could be with a therapist or a counselor. It could be with a family member. But would you just name it? Name what your worry is and share it with someone. And part of externalizing that 
is hopefully you're externalizing that with someone who can help you do what the psalmist writes in Psalm 62. He writes this, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, and I will not be shaken. When you begin to externalize your worries and your anxious thoughts, you begin to hopefully replace those with knowing that our hope is in God alone. And maybe you have someone around you who can just gently remind you of that, who can pray for you and with you. Worry doesn't work. You all worry. I worry. What happens if we can find some freedom in how to deal with those worries? I think that's what God wants for us, and I think that's why Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry. Would you stand as we pray, and after we pray, we'll finish uh, with our last song. God, thank you for this morning, and thank you for the difficult words that Jesus speaks about worry. I thank you that I believe that it brings freedom to our hearts and to our minds in our life, that we can escape from a life of constant worry, of the, the worry that keeps us from experiencing joy in our life in peace. God, would you help us? Would you help us to move quickly when we worry or have anxious thoughts? Will you help us to move quickly into a place of admitting where we are powerless and in the things we can control, we'll work hard to control them, God. Would you help us? I, I pray again for my friends who are here today and maybe they find themselves on the other end of the spectrum and worry quickly moves to anxiety and maybe even panic and God, I pray they'd find freedom as well, that they would speak the words that are in their mind, that they would not hold them close to themselves, but they would open up and share that with someone. And I know the first step is with you, God, and so I pray that that would happen. God, thank you for your grace and your forgiveness, Lord. I pray for my friends who are here today and maybe have never believed that or accepted that. I pray that with certainty they would leave this place knowing that that is available to them, that we can be at peace with you. That is not something we have to question. Would you encourage them today? to believe in their own hearts and minds that you are real and good and true and you give us life to the fullest. Would you make that happen this morning? God, thank you for the opportunity to gather together and to be honest and to share time with one another and to turn our attention to you, God. Would you watch over us this coming week until we return back again? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.